All right, so welcome to Second Chance today. We're super excited that everybody is joining us. Um, love it when you leave the comments where you're joining from. Also excited about LifeSpring joining us and super glad that all of you in East Tennessee survived the earthquake. Did y'all know they had an earthquake in East Tennessee? I don't know. I, I guess somebody's moonshine just already blew up or something like that. I, I don't know what it was, but... So glad that you survived the air. So far, the damage, um, I think one ladder fell on a home. Um, but they're going to rebuild, so we're super excited about that. And super excited about this series we're in called Merry Christmas. And um, we got one more week in this series, and then we're going to be ramping up into moving into the building. So super excited about that. Let me, let me start out today by saying this. Um, when it comes to hearing from God, I'm the kind of person that... I, I asked God, God, I need you to make it clear. I need a sign from you that this is what I'm supposed to do. Now, I want to be very clear. There's some people that think that's wrong, that you shouldn't ask God for a sign, that you should just have faith. You should just kind of go for it. That's not me. I'm a sign guy. God, I need you. Now, I'm not talking about ridiculous. I'm not like, God, I need you to turn that cow into a chicken. That, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm, I, I ask God, God, I, which would be amazing, by the way. But I, I ask God, God, I just need you to make this obvious to me. I just need you to make it obvious. And I'll circle all the way back around to when we started Second Chance. Being completely transparent, I wasn't 100% sure that I wanted to do church work again. I, I, when, when, you know, I kind of wrestled with it for a while, and I was like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And then I finally decided, you know what, Maybe I do, and so what I'll, what I'll do is I'll file the paperwork, we'll become official, and get official. And I love it when people go, oh, well, you know, every once in a while you'll meet somebody that says this, the church it and a business. Well, the IRS thinks it is. So you got to file the paperwork, you got to get legal, you got to get attorneys involved and built a website. But I still wasn't sure that this is what I really wanted to do. And this is like in 2017, this is over a year ago. I'm kind of wrestling through it, trying to figure it out. And finally, I prayed this prayer. Okay, God, we're broke. Like as a church, we have like $200 in the bank account. So if you want us to, to like have a church, to be a church, I need you to make it obvious by blessing us financially. That was my prayer in like August of 2017. And for several weeks, nothing happened. No checks in the mail, no anything. So I'm kind of wrestling with it. Well, one day, um, one of my coworkers came in to the room and said, hey, listen, we got an email from a company in Texas and they want our tax ID number because somebody wants to donate some money. And listen, I told you all a few weeks ago, I'm super skeptical because I, like you, have probably gotten an email from the prince of Nigeria saying that they need your bank account numbers so they can deposit all their money and they'll give you, you know, 10% or whatever. And I was like, you know what? That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Nobody's ever asked for tax ID number. We're not sending a tax ID number. And she turns around to walk out of the room and I paused for a minute and I said, but, but wait, 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 wait. Find out. This is two things I need to know. Who's the company and who wants to donate the money? Oh, and, and how much would they like to give? That, those were three. And so about 30 minutes later, she came back and she said, this is the company. I pulled it up online and it was like a national company. And so I was like, okay. So this is the person. And I knew the person that she named. 
and said he would like to give $100,000. And I said, Where, where's the headquarters of this company? She said, Texas. I said, Tell, email it to him. I'll drive it to Texas. And crap, if it's Texas, I'll get a horse and ride it to Texas. Like, let's figure that out. And so within, within a week or so, all the paperwork was filled out, and there was $100,000 in the checking account. And God was like, how was that? And it was just one of those things where I knew that God was trying to get my attention to kind of move me towards. And that was phenomenal to get that kind of gift about a year ago because we had to make deposits. And when you get the lights turned on, you got to make deposits. When you get the water turned on, you got to make deposits. When you, got to, when you do everything, you got to put down a deposit for it. It was amazing. But it was a sign of, like God was saying, hey, this is what I want you to do. And this is what Christmas season is all about. It's all about God trying to get our attention. Now, when you say that, a lot of people get scared because they're like, well, if God's trying to get my attention, it's only because he wants me to know what I'm doing wrong and he always wants to punish me or he always wants to point out, point out the bad things. But that's not true. In fact, the walk away from today, if you don't get anything else to say, I try to give one of these early in the message. This is what I want everybody to walk away with. God wants to get our attention so he can change the direction of our lives from hopeless to hopeful. God wants to get our attention so he can change the direction of our lives from hopeless to hopeful. Now, one thing I know about everybody watching today is every single person knows what it's like to feel hopeless. And the more I study the scriptures and the more I walk with Jesus in my personal journey, I know that, that his desire is to take us from hopeless to hopeful. So, so what we're going to do today is we're going to dive into part of the Christmas story and see how he does this, specifically Matthew chapter 2, if you've got a Bible and you want to follow along. And it's the story of the wise men. Matthew is the only writer that talks about this. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you why in just a little bit. So if you're taking notes, you want to, cause I, this is the way I teach because this is the way I remember. If you're taking notes, bless you. I want to make four points. That was Carly that sneezed. I want to make four points today um, to kind of really drive this point home. Number one, God will meet you where you are. When it comes to getting your attention, my attention, our attention, a lot of people talk about coming to Jesus. But you don't have to come to Jesus because Christmas is all about the fact that Jesus came to us and that God will meet you where you are. Now, I want to read this story and I want to point out some things because if you're familiar with the Christmas story at all, this, this doesn't seem weird, abnormal, or anything, but in the original context, this story was a bit scandalous. Let's read it together. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. This is what Matthew said. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. I've actually been to Bethlehem. It's, pr it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Actually, it was scary. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star... Real interesting, as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, a couple of things I want to point out 
about this. Some wise men from eastern lands. Now, in the nativity scene that we have set up, if you got one, you got the shepherds and you got the wise men, they didn't get there at the same time. Some people think the wise men, it took them somewhere between three months and two years. I couldn't find anybody that agreed on this. They got there later. Let's just say that. But the wise men from the east, probably um, modern day Iran, Iraq, that area is how far they came. So they came there and the wise men, as we're going to see in just a little while because of the gifts that they gave, these were prominent men in their society. They had prestige, they had power, they had possessions, they had money, they had they had everything that the world said that we need in order to be or feel successful. But something inside of them told them there was more. Even though they had everything in the world that, that the world told them they needed, they knew they were they were they were searching the stars for something else. They knew something was missing in their lives. Now, this is the time of the year where the world tells us, this is what you need in order to be happy. If you have this, you'll be happy. If you have this, you'll be happy. If you have this, you'll be happy. And Christmas Day is proof that that's not true because we get all of our presents on Christmas Day and we can't even find them on New Year's Day. Several years ago, several years ago, when infomercials first started becoming a thing, y'all remember this? One of the very first infomercials I ever remember seeing was the ab roller. Y'all remember the ab roller? And if you had the ab roller, if you would just use it for 30 minutes a day, your abs would like pop and then, you know, girls or guys would, would, would just love, fall in love with you and you'd get a raise at work and all this other stuff. And it was three easy payments. Have you ever noticed that the payments are easy when somebody else is making them? Three easy payments of like $29 or whatever. Now, I did not purchase the ab roller, although I considered it every time until about six months later, I went to a friend's house and in his living room, he had an ab roller. I was like, oh my God, dude, you've got an ab roller. And um, I promise you it, it had done him no favors. Like, let's just say that. I won't tell you who it is, but it had done him no favors. And he was like, yeah. He goes, um, it doesn't really. And I was like, oh, he's probably not using it right. I said, you know, are you interested in getting rid of it? He said, I'll give it to you for 20 bucks. Well, that was e easier than three easy payments of $29.99. So I bought the ab roller, took it home, and I thought, this thing is going to solve all my problems. I'm going to have... I'm going to have everything I want in life because of the ab roller. Within two months, I was using it to hang clothes on that hadn't quite dried in the dryer. That's what I was. In other words, I thought it was going to bring me all this hope, all this joy, all this everything. And it left me. In fact, I don't even know where it is today. And that's the way it is with the things in this world. Sometimes we put all of our hope in it. These wise men had everything that the world said you needed in order to be successful, but they knew there was something more. I once heard it said one time, and it was so profound. I wish I could remember who said it, but this, the quote was this, nothing in this world can completely satisfy us, which probably means we were created for something other than this world. The second thing is this, this is where it gets really obscure, or where it gets really weird and a little bit scandalous. Matthew, and I, I don't find it ironic that it was Matthew that pointed this out. 
Matthew pointed out that they were looking at the stars. Now, this was disturbing. We're going to see that in the next verse. This was highly disturbing. The reason this was disturbing is because astrology in ancient Judaism was a no-no. You weren't supposed to look at the stars. You weren't supposed to worship the stars. You weren't, this, this is not something that was supposed to be a part of your life. But they were looking at the stars. In ancient, um, in ancient Israel, there was one way to get to God. There was the Torah. There was the law. You had to go through all the systems and the rituals. You had to do dot the I's and cross the T's. But here we see God meeting somebody where they were. Meeting somebody where they were. In other words, what ancient Judaism would have considered wrong, God said, you know what? That's where they are. They don't have access to the Torah. They don't have access to the temple. They don't have access to all these things. So instead of just dropping a Bible right in the middle of where they were, God said, you know what? I'm going to meet them where they are and bring them where they need to be. That's what I love about God. He'll meet you where you are. He'll meet you in a church or he'll meet you in a bar. He'll meet you in a cathedral or he'll meet you in a ditch. He met Peter fishing. He met Paul on his way to kill Christians. He met a woman at the well. He met Moses in a burning bush. He will meet you where you are and bring you where you need to be. That's who he is. So when it comes to hearing people say, you need to come to Jesus Maybe it's not we need to come to Jesus, but we just need to open our eyes and realize that Jesus has came to us. Which leads to point number two. And point number two is this. We need the help of others. If we're going to get to where God wants us to be in life, God's going to set the whole thing up to where we can't get there on our own. We really do need the help of others. I, uh, I was, for a while I was doing some uh, consulting work with churches. I still do some, a little bit on the side, but I was traveling a whole bunch. And there was a church in Alabama that wanted me to come. And it, it was like rural Alabama, which, <laughs> let's be honest, that's Alabama. But um, it was out in the middle of nowhere. And so I put the coordinates into my GPS and was kind of driving out. And as I'm getting close to the hotel, now it was like a Hampton Inn. It wasn't anything fancy. It was just a Hampton Inn. But as I'm getting close to the hotel, the area around me doesn't look like it facilitates a hotel. I mean, it's just the country. It's cow pastures or whatever. And finally, I traveled all the way to where the GPS told me. And I was in the, I'm not making this up. I was in the middle. I had a truck, so I went off road. I was in the middle of a cow pasture. And I was like, I don't understand how I got here. So I called the lady uh, or I called the hotel and this lady answered. I was like, hi, you know, my name's Perry Noble. I'm staying in your house. I'm staying in your hotel tonight. She went, oh yes, Mr. Noble, we have your room ready. And I was like, yeah, funny thing about that. Um, I put in this address to the GPS and this is where I'm at. She went, oh, you're at Mr. Thompson's land. Don't worry about it. I can. And so she literally, I was like, well, did Mr. Thompson have a gun? Which we were in Alabama. He obviously did. Um, so, but she got me to where I had to call her and she had to literally walk me through how to get to the hotel because the address I'd put in the GPS was wrong. And all of us have experienced that in life where we thought, hey, I think I'm on the right path. I think I'm doing the right thing. We wind up somewhere that we never thought we would be and we can't get out of that mess by ourselves. 
we really do need the help of other people, which is what the wise men experienced because they come on this journey all the way from Iran, Iraq, and they wind up in Jerusalem. We're going to see that. In fact, that's what Matthew writes. He said, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. So the wise men wind up in Jerusalem, which is awesome, except Jesus was in Bethlehem, six miles away. See, we can get close without others, but we can't get where we need to be. Now, King Herod was disturbed because he didn't want to hear another king. All of Jerusalem was disturbed because they had been looking at the stars and astrology. I mean, this was like a big deal. And the Bible goes on to say, he called a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of religious law and asked, where's the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. We're going to find out in a little while. That was, that's a little bit shady. Herod wasn't quite telling the truth. But here's the deal. The wise men wouldn't have gotten to where they needed to go had they not stopped and asked for help on the journey. Which is why, which is why, honestly, we're creating this environment, this place called Second Chance, Second Chance Church. We just want it to be a place where somebody can walk in on a spiritual journey, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, and create a safe environment where you can say, I need help figuring out what my next step is. Because here's what I know. We will never get to where we need to be in our spiritual walk we will never get where we need to be on our own. I need your help. You need her help. She needs his help. We need each other in order to get where we're going to go. We'll never get there on our own. And that's one of the reasons I'm so excited about us getting together is because everybody getting together, taking a next step in their walk with Jesus is always a good thing. Which leads to the next thing that we see in this story. Surrender is what Jesus is seeking. This is what people, what, what, what does Jesus want from me? He wants surrender. Now, I was having an interesting conversation with somebody the other day who was telling me they've been trained as a lifeguard. Anybody ever again gone through lifeguard training? Yeah, I, I have not. I've done CPR training. That was weird where you had to like, give the dummy a kiss, you know what I'm saying? You kind of breathe into the, well, anyway, it's weird. But the person who was doing lifeguard training was telling me that one of the most, one of the, one of the things about lifeguard training is how counterintuitive it is. I'm like, what do you mean? And say, so, well, when you come upon somebody and they're drowning and they're like flailing all over the place, your instinct is to jump in and save them. But you can't. I was like, what do you mean? It's like, if you jump in to try to save them and they're like flailing all over the place, it's most likely that, that, that not only are they going to drown, but they're going to drown you as well. So you got to let them wear themselves out 
And when they stop flailing and they stop fighting and they're completely exhausted, that's actually when you can jump in and save them. And I was like, oh my God, the spiritual connotations are unbelievable. I think the reason a lot of people get mad at God is they're like, God's not helping me, but God's standing there waiting on us just to wear ourselves out. Too many people try to figure out the solutions all by themselves when all Jesus is wanting us to do is to stop fighting and just open our lives up to him. Watch what the wise men do when they meet Jesus. The Bible says this, after this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem and went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. This is like legit the first GPS ever. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. As soon as they met Jesus, we see automatic and complete surrender. So my question to you would be this. If you really want God's direction, are you open to it? Like, are you surrendered? Or, listen, it's... God wants us to get, we, God wants to give us direction, but many times, and I put myself in this camp, I don't want his direction. I, I just want, I just want his advice. And God, Jesus did not die on the cross so we could get great advice. He really wants us to completely surrender to him. So let me walk you through three areas, three possible areas that we could surrender today. The first area, um, and, and I'm going to just say a huge thank you and also just tell you, I don't apologize for this, is the surrender of our finances to Jesus. Because these guys walk in and the Bible says they open up their treasure chest and they gave him gifts of gold. I want to pause and say, thank you for those of you that have surrendered your finances because of the way that you've given, because of the way that you've surrendered, we're able to go into the building in several weeks debt-free because you've given. We were able to get furniture. We were able to make the deposits. We actually have some paint on the wall. We actually have some really nice flooring. We redid the bathrooms. Um, we'll have some air fresheners. It'll be amazing, but we're able to do that because people have given sacrificially. And I just want to say for those of you that have given, thank you. And for those of you that haven't started giving yet, I want to ask you before the end of this year, would you consider giving to Second Chance Church so that we can continue to make pr progress and opening up this place where people can take their next steps in their walk with Jesus? The second thing I would say that maybe you need to surrender is a decision. Maybe you've been wrestling with a decision over the past week, over the past month, over the past year. And you, like that person drowning, you've been fighting, you've been flailing, and maybe you just need to stop fighting today and just say, Jesus, I'm going to surrender this particular decision to you. Now, let me pause here and say, this is normally where I would give several examples. I'm not going to give examples. Because if you're wrestling with a decision, you already know. So what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? 
The third area that I would say is maybe some people today just need to surrender your life. You need to give your life to Jesus. So far, so far that we know of, since we started Second Chance Church, we've seen 309 people accept Christ. Maybe you, maybe you today need to accept Christ as well. It's the best decision you'll ever make. And when you accept Christ, everything doesn't get easy, but eventually it gets better. Which leads to point, which leads to the last point that I want to make today. Jesus always changes our direction for the best. Jesus always changes our direction for, for the good or for the best. Now, I remember several years ago, I went to Myrtle Beach for the very first time. My dad, after my mom died, he got remarried for like five minutes. And I had a step. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not making this up. My dad was married five times. It was great. Um, he was actually married to two women at the same time. That's a whole different story. Um, my dad's five. I need to write a book about my dad one day going, how did I get here? Anyway, so I had a stepbrother um, when he married this lady and we were all at Myrtle Beach and we we're playing out in the ocean. And we, I never will forget, we saw this lifeguard um, kind of working his way down the beach and he would walk up to some people and he would say something to them and they would get out of the water. And I looked at my stepbrother and I was like, this ain't gonna work. And he said, what do you mean? I said, you see that guy right there? He's trying to ruin everybody's fun. He's making everybody get out of the water. And this isn't, I mean, there was no undertow. There was no crazy thing. I'm like, I, I, you know what? I, I looked at my, his name was James. I looked at James and said, James, I don't care what he says to me. I'm not getting out of this water. And sure enough, here comes the lifeguard. He goes, hey, boys, first of all, he called me boy. In the South, that's a no-no. You don't call a boy. Even if you're a boy, you don't call him boy. He said, hey, boys, how you doing? I was like, we're having a great time. And he said, I'm going to need you to get out of the water. And I was like, you know, I mean, we, we, you know, and kind of looked at him. He looked at us and I said, can you give me a good reason why? He said, well, actually I can. He said, you're swimming near a pier. He said, some guys have been fishing off that pier and they got a little ill because they weren't catching anything. So they dumped all their chum into the water. And there's about three or four sharks about 15 yards away from you. And we just don't want, you know what? That's all he had to say. <laughs> because, <laughs> listen, Jesus has walked on water. So have I. Because I, I literally, that's all he had to say. It, and I, I never, I've never forgotten that story because I thought this guy was trying to ruin my fun. He was actually trying to protect me. If, if I had said, you know what, you go, I would have been, I could have been shark bait, but because I listened to somebody who had my best interest in mind, you know, there was no shark attack on the beach that day. Now, when I look at this story, Jesus always changes our direction for the good. If Jesus is trying to change something in our life, it's like that lifeguard. We might not like it at first, but he's trying to change it for the good. Because we see after the wise men meet Jesus, Matthew writes down in verse 12, when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. So they, they came to Jesus one way, 
but they left another. Don't miss the powerful symbolism there. They came one way and they left another. Anytime you meet Jesus, something always changes. But why? For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Here's the reason. Herod was all about destruction. After the story, we see Herod goes crazy and has all the babies in the region killed. It was, it, it, was, it, was, it was a horrible experience for everyone involved. Herod was all about destruction. So Jesus intervenes in their life. God intervenes in their life to lead them away from destruction. One of the reasons that we won't surrender to God so many times, and I speak for myself when I say this, is we're so scared that God wants to absolutely mess up our plans. But if God does want to mess up our plans, it's only because his are greater than ours. So at the end of the day, if Jesus is trying to change our direction, if Jesus is trying to get our attention to change our direction, it's not because he wants to mess things up. It's because he wants to bring us from hopeless to hopeful. So with that in mind, let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Jesus, that is not about us coming to you. It's about us just opening our eyes and realizing how close you really are. Father, I pray right now for everyone here today watching online at LifeSpring, Jesus, that if there's a decision that needs to be made, God, that, that, that we need to surrender to you, God, that we would be willing right now to lay that at your feet. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here and there's been a, there's been a decision, there's been a situation, there's been an issue that you, you know today you need to lay that at the feet of Jesus. I want you to just do that right now. Just tell him, just tell him right where you are, right in your heart right now. You give that to him. And maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ. Like the wise men, that when they met Jesus, they surrendered. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus and become a Christian. I can think of no better day in the world than Christmas of 2018 to do that. So if that's you and you want to give your life to Christ today, I want you right where you are, right, no matter where you are, just to pray in your heart and just pray this with me. Say, Jesus Christ, right now, I give my life to you. I believe you died on the cross and you rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And Jesus, I give you everything. Take over take control. I am yours. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads still bowed and eyes still closed at Life Spring, if you just prayed that prayer, would you put your hand up and put it up really high right now so we can celebrate um, and we can have someone follow up with you. If you're online, if you'll do the hand raise emoji on mysecondchancechurch.com, if you'll hit that for us so we can celebrate with you. Um, and help follow up in any way we can. If you're on Facebook, if you'll do the hand raise emoji, we would love to know and celebrate this with you. Um, super, super, super excited that you prayed to receive Christ today. Father, thank you so much for the hands that we're seeing. Thank you so much for all that you're going to do. We love you, and we ask all this in your name. Everybody said, 
Amen. Hey, seriously, thanks for being with us today. Um, we've got one more message in this Christmas series. Um, super excited about preaching it next week. And then we're going to start ramping up to get ready to move into the building. Just a really quick reminder, just because people are still asking, Sunday, January 13th, 2019 is when we're going to move into the building. Uh, the auditorium seats about 300 and probably 50 people. Uh, we got two services, one at 915, one at 1115. We have a nursery th zero through two. That's what we're writing down, which I don't know how a kid is zero, but zero through two. We'll take care of other kids. They, um, they, listen, they can come into the church. They can come into the worship service. They're your responsibility. So, um, there you go. Uh, but you know, they can come. We eventually will have a preschool and a grade school. We don't have it yet. But remember, we're a church plant. So we're working on it. But that's when we're going to launch. It's going to be a lot of fun. Pray hard because right now I'm the worship leader and the pastor. And y'all don't want that to go on for too long. So, um, and, and if you want to give to Second Chance Church, we talked about that. You could go to mysecondchancechurch.com. There's a give button in the right-hand corner. Or you can mail a check or a money order um, or bring cash, send cash. We had somebody send cash one time. Don't send cash in the mail. That's a little, that's dangerous. Um, but it, I mean, it might work. Who knows? Second Chance Church, 210 South Main Street, Anderson, South Carolina, 29624. Only if, how many weeks did we say, Zach? How many, three, four, four weeks from today? We meet in the building four weeks from today. So it's getting closer. Love you guys. Have a great week. The best is yet to come.